Am I wired up? Whoa. That's terrifying. Kind of fun. I feel like I sound like God or something here. Boom. Not that much. Okay. Actually, my experience with the Holy Spirit is he tends to talk in a whisper. Not at all like me or the Charlton Heston on the movies or something. All right. I want to... Wow. I want to talk to you today about being salt and light in this present generation. I have an initial point that I may dwell on longer than I planned in my notes. I wanted to talk about, while there's no exhaustive list anywhere, if you're looking about outreach salt and light, evangelism, and I think it means a lot more than evangelism, personal opinion. Um, there, somebody could maybe create an exhaustive list, but I don't have one. And I've got probably a list of five things to be and five or six things to do and some scriptures. But I just want to say this firstly. Father, help me. You know, I believe, I was saying this to Gordon earlier, or Sue or somebody, you know, TCF, in its beginning, I believe, was founded as a prophetic fellowship. And I want to hearken back to those were the good old days. But there was something in those days, Mary and I have talked about it, and, uh, and some of you who've come out of the Jesus movement, uh, that end of the hippie period. Uh, it's something that was so pervasive, so widespread in America that it made Time Magazine, it made Newsweek. We've probably, an opinion, but we've probably never had a nationwide extensive movement to that level since that period. That's an opinion, but it is my heart's desire and I almost heard that last week in the sharing. You know, that we're at the point we need a breakthrough. I remember when I was at Asbury College, became a believer at the University of Kentucky as a freshman. My sophomore year, I transferred to Asbury College. That would have been uh, 1972. In 1970, Asbury had a revival. And contrary to what you might think, Asbury, uh, because I was on the newspaper staff, I went back and researched and read the newspapers at Asbury. And the Collegian recorded photos of the students during the demonstration periods at Christian College, demonstrating in front of the administration. I don't know if they threw rocks or what they did, but there was a big gathering. There was apparently a lot of bad feelings between um, staff, professors, the administration, students were disgruntled. There were a pocket of students praying. But I wouldn't have said that Asbury qualified for a great revival. And when you listen to it on the tape, as they begin, uh, I remember uh, Dr. Rohr, I think it was, big guy, and he used to lead the singing, and he's a country home kind of guy. And Dr. Rohr on the tape, or whoever it was, I think it was him, 
he came up and he said, the guy who was appointed to speak at the, you know, we had chapel three times a week, most of us, it was like boring. And because uh, I always felt like they were trying to fill the roster. And uh, that w- week, uh, the, the main speaker apparently was sick or whatever it happened. And so they, it fell back on Dr. Rohr, who was apparently arranging the roster. So he stood up and he said, well, today we, we don't have a speaker, so we're going to have some testimonies. And they have a, he, there's silence while they're waiting. And then this girl stands up, has her come up the microphone, she starts to share. And partway into her sharing, she breaks down, starts to cry. And she said, none of this is true. I'm stuck. I'm broken. She begins to talk about her problems. Another student comes up comes by the microphone, same story. It resulted in students beginning to stand up from the congregation and to repent. Uh, that meeting wasn't canceled for like a week as it just went on through the night. The students, when they went in other locations and began to share about it, the same thing began to happen in other locations. Why am I sharing that? Because at the foundation of all of that, we can read the books on how revival comes and what happens, and there are key points, but there is something of the work of God. When I look at salvation or evangelism, much of what I'm going to say together uh, to you today, while it has to do with things that you can do and be, there is a lot, a lot that has to do with how you position yourself on the inside your attitude and desire. Even if your desire is to desire, you might be one of those people. Friends, I've been there many times. And you know some of us, many of you or all of you know uh, our story. Times when there wasn't anything to feel except darkness. Times when you wished you could feel about feeling. And if that's all... If that's where you're at, that's the, still a good place to come to him and say, you're the rock, you're the river, you're life. I know it's true. Come and move in me afresh. I wanted to share that firstly, that as a people with a background in the prophetic, a prophetic church, what I mean by that term is a people who Abide with God speaking to them, their hearts now. Not just on Sunday. Not just from the microphone up front. But you come because your hearts are waiting on Him. You desire Him. You long for Him. Even if you're dry, you can remember when you weren't. I can. And I come back to Him and say, okay, uh, great song by Aaron Keyes. I've done it again. I've given in to the sin that breaks your heart. For whatever reason. Sometimes it's not sin in a direct way. Sometimes it's just the cares of this life. It's stuff happens. So I just want to throw that out first thing. When we talk about salt and light, salt and light, by their very essence, do they try to be salt and light? You ever bought a box of salt and it's like, 
trying to be salt in here. Salt, be salt. Do we do that? Speak over the salt at the table? I command you, be salt. It is, right? Light is. But because we are the salt of the earth, we are the light of the world, Jesus says, but in truth, he is, really. It's him in us. So to the level that he is salt and light in me, you know, really, it isn't work to be salt and light to others. Now, there are ways in which we will face, and I'll talk about it, puzzles when we are salt and light and we don't know how to get to the other side. We see people demonized, oppressed, uh, condemned, broken, and we don't know how to help them. Or we see a group that's tightly knit and we don't know how to get into that group. That's my puzzle. But it starts with Coming to him who is salt and light on a daily basis. Salt me, Lord. Be light in me, Lord. You know, what, I remember a great memory. One Saturday morning, I was supposed to go over uh, and, and pick up some furniture over at Gordon and Sue's, the next door. Knocked on the door, Gordon and Sue's house. Gordon, being Gordon, comes to the door. Probably, I'm not sure I would have, but I guess that we had an appointment. But Gordon comes to the door, and he is, he's just praying in the Spirit. And I, I looked in, and there's Gordon and Sue, just, just praying away. And I thought, wow, on a Saturday morning, that's like awesome. Just giving themselves to him. You know, and when I come, you know, one of the reasons, side uh, tangent here, this morning, going up to prayer, the prayer time at 9. And uh, I go there is because I meet with friends who are hungry, not saying you're not hungry if you don't go to that meeting, okay? But there's an attitude that I would love you to have wherever you get it. And that is the attitude of, you know, I am pressing in. Even when I don't have the energy, Lord, give me the strength to press in. I, I don't have it of myself. And it might be due to your circumstances, your disappointments, your age. could be anything. But pressing in to know Him. So, First thing in my little list of things to be and things to do to be salt and light. Faith and expectancy, which I'll put them together. You expect nothing, you're probably going to get nothing. There's something about abiding in his presence. The scriptures I have for that are Acts, well, first Hebrews 11.6, without faith it is impossible to please him. That sounds kind of negative. You could rephrase it that it, with faith. We will be pleasing to him. doesn't mean we get it all right. But our desire is for him and we're seeking to walk in him. And he guides us into the right way. Acts 11.24, speaking of Barnabas. Acts 6.5, speaking of Stephen. Words it this way. I'll read Barnabas. It's, it uses the words of these two men that they were full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Um, it says of Barnabas in Acts 11, um, yeah, Acts 11:24. Well, let's start with 23. Speaking of Barnabas, that when he arrived, he witnessed the grace of God in Antioch. 
He rejoiced and began to encourage them all with a resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. Now, believe me, it wasn't just him doing that. That was the Holy Spirit. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And considerable numbers were brought to the Lord. Now, I believe Barnabas multiplied that in himself, full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. And as he went to Antioch, I think he imparted that. Maybe they already had it in the group. But whatever it was, full of faith in the Holy Spirit and considerable numbers were brought. You don't, we don't see in here any manual. How did he do it? How did they reach the lost? Give me the five steps, the ten steps. What did he do? It doesn't list it. And I, the reason I think they don't list it is because that's the point they're going after. Not that the list the list, but to say, here's a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. The congregation, I read into that, were full of faith in the Holy Spirit. And considerable numbers were brought. They were them. They were Jesus manifested in that region. And God was at work with them. The importance of expectation. I remember when, uh, years ago, when I was here in Tulsa working a job in the 1980s, I remember the first company I was working for, I worked for two different companies. First company wouldn't have described it as a Christian company. There weren't really much in the way of strong believers in that company. Second company was an entirely Christian company when I was drawing the Christian children's books. Now, I loved job B. It was cool because I loved drawing the kids' books as an illustrator. But I didn't really like working in the company. You know why? Because in job A, I would get up in the morning and I would be doing my prayer before I'd go off to, uh, to work. And I inevitably had the sense that it was me and the angels and I had everybody else surrounded when I went to the company. I loved working in the midst of a lot of darkness. Very human, normal darkness that most companies have. It's kind of like, uh, again, mentality. I remember when I first came to Tulsa, and people were complaining to me about a University of Tulsa, Christian-based institution years ago, uh, allowing a mosque to be built on the property. You know what I did when I heard the news, that there was a mosque on the property? I got happy, because that meant there were lots more Muslims coming. And I could be salt and light in the midst of those guys because they were there. See, just same story, turn it around. Faith and expectation are crucial in reaching the lost. Secondly, we need empowerment and divine guidance. I don't know if those are the same things, but I lumped them together, whatever. Um, Jesus said the very famous words, obviously, wait here until you're endued with power from on high. And then it continues to talk about them and Peter being filled with the Spirit. And so filled with the Spirit, they spoke and they did. Um, I cannot underemphasize how much a desire, at least in des- for us, to rely on a hunger for empowerment and divine guidance. Let me give you an example that happened, oh, I don't know, maybe two months ago. Uh, my sense of time is always a little warped, but uh, hopefully I'll keep to the time today. But uh, I was at the University of Tulsa, and I was 
going to go off and do some dreaded paperwork that I needed to get to. It was mid-afternoon, and I was getting ready to take off on the campus, and there was this something in my spirit, in my heart, that said, abide with me an hour. Why don't you just pray and seek me? And then trust me, if you go, I can't, you know, make an encounter, but I would like to give you an encounter. I thought, well, I don't know if that's the Holy Spirit, but it can't be the devil asked me to go pray, so I'll go pray. So I went and began to spend some time in prayer. And it was not easy because my mind was full of all this stuff I got to do. And went, worshipped for a bit, prayed for a bit, probably very distracted praying, knowing me. And as I came out of the Wesley Center, where I was at, I started across the parking lot like, okay, I'm going on. And as I got out the door, there was this Middle Eastern guy going to get in his car. And he was, as many of the students do who are <clears throat> Middle Eastern, sometimes they park at the Wesley because it's free. And uh, he had parked his car there and was at classes. And so I saw him and I said, hi, how are you doing? He said, oh, I'm fine. I said, really? He said, hmm, no man, not really. I said, what do you mean? He said, oh, I work so much. I'm so tired. I said, really? I'm sorry to hear that. He said, yeah, man, I'm going home now. And I, I, I was in the Stevenson, like the Kip, uh, doing research work for the engineering. He's a PhD student. He said, until 5 o'clock. Oh, he said, third night, we keep doing these. He said, last night I looked around. I said, what other people? There's six more people working through the night. Who are they? He looked around. They're all from his country. And as he started sharing, he broke down and started to cry. I never saw this guy in my whole life cry. And he's a big guy. So I said, oh, I'm sorry. He said, it's just too much, you know, too much. And this little thought came to my head. Was it the Holy Spirit? I don't know. It was a great idea. Pizza. I said to him, hey, man, let's go get some pizza. He said, no, no, i got so much to do. I said, yeah, but if you're so tired, you're going to work at half speed at least, and you need food. He said, it's true. I was staring at the computer screen for an hour. I couldn't even concentrate. All right, let's go get pizza. So we went to get pizza. Umberto's for those who want a free ad. And while we were waiting for the pizza to come, or maybe when it first came, he looked over the table and he said to me, you know, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. He said, um, your, your faith, your religion, yeah? Do you believe because you believe or do you believe because of experience? I said, well, if I understand your question, do you mean do I believe it because I've been taught it or do I have any spiritual experiences that God's alive? He said, yeah. I said, oh, I have many stories. Oh, would you tell me some of your stories? So we sat over pizza nearly, not, not everyone can do this, obviously my job kind of fits the crazy schedule stuff. We sat for about two hours there at Umberto's just sharing completely about kingdom of God stuff. Um, <clears throat> so the point of that story, there can be many points, but one of them was um, 
that we need divine guidance. We need empowerment from the Holy Spirit. And God granted that to me that day. But I will tell you that with that, we need availability. I was available. But it doesn't mean every time I'm available, something cool happens. That would be like awesome. You know, like live the book of Acts every day and Jesus at my side. It isn't that way. So maybe I'll add to it the mentality of faith is also the mentality of patience, isn't it? Don't give up. Having done all, it says, uh, pray. So my mentality is, I may see this guy a hundred times, but I want to be sensitive to what God's doing. I remember, tell a cool story about Mary who, complete surprise, but I remember once we were at a place eating, and this is not Mary's personality type, and she looked up and she said, you know, I'm looking at that, that lady at another table. I just feel like I need to, I don't know, talk to her. I went, uh, okay. I remember Mary went over. I don't remember all the details. I don't remember where you were or anything. Now it's all vanished. But I, I remember going, Mary going over and sitting with that woman, and it turned out to be a real divine connection. Well, that came because I think Mary was abiding in the presence. It's like drinking from his water, seeking to drink. It's being Gordon and Sue on Saturday morning, just drinking on the inside. And I can tell they do that a lot. So I just want to encourage you, be like them. Okay? I want to be like that too. And drink from the water. And as we're drinking, one of the drinks you take might be wait here. Another drink you take might be pray a little bit. Maybe just 10 minutes. I don't know. Another drink you take might say that person. I don't know. But I know that it works that way in my life. Moving on. We need to be a people who are not afraid of being people of another kingdom. The famous verse for that, of course, is 1 Peter 2.9. You were not a people. Let me find it and quote it properly. I mean, not X, First Peter. First he starts and talks about people who stumble and are disobedient to the word. But you are a chosen race, a, ho- a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people. You were just you. But now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy. But now... Is that still on? Oh, well. But now you you have received mercy. So I urge you as foreigners and strangers to abstain from your fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the nations. And it goes on and reads that. But the point I wanted to make was sometimes we can be, we want to fit in. Don't you want to fit in? I want to fit in. You want to be accepted. I want to be accepted. But there needs to be an edge to us that while we're not trying to be misfits and weirdos, we're not afraid of stepping out. Being a people who, the the people of God that were willing to take risks, 
And I have to be reminded of that, okay, even though I'm around these students a lot. We constantly hit these plateaus in relationship. Maybe you've got that with the non-believers in your work relationship, people you buy stuff from in your world. Well, I have to ask the Holy Spirit in me, I, I, you know, show me where I'm plateauing. Show me where I'm stuck. And then step two from that is to begin to cry out in prayer. You know, Lord, unstick this situation. I don't know how to get there. And I, you know, I can have my tract. I can have this. But at the end of the day, it's you convict hearts. So show me what to do. Give me opportunities. Ah, time is racing. I said, and I'll just clarify it, we need to be a people whose attitude is open and looking for the puzzles, the burdens of the Holy Spirit. Remember one student who came to me, American girl, and we were talking, you know, as I do, about the Muslims kind of over and over. And this girl said, well, I've got some friends, but I don't give out Bibles. Like, I don't do that stuff. Okay, that's fine. She said, I will only give if they ask me. I said, okay, but keep in mind that sometimes you can ask them if they'd like, and it's, you don't have to wait until they ask. And this girl really took off. I mean, she started giving out Bibles, uh, Mary Magdalene, Jesus DVDs. But then she hit a plateau, and uh, she and, and another friend who were both doing ministry among the uh, Arab girls on campus they discovered about 25, uh, Brie, Megan. So they discovered about 25 of the married girls who were not even students, who were Saudi, closed in, plus uh, other people groups. And she said, I don't know what to do. You know, we hang out with the girls, and in their society, they aren't taught religion. So they don't talk about religion. So when we get together, they want to talk about television, or they want to talk about whatever. How do I get to from here to there? And I, I, I was wanting to be wise and eloquent, and I couldn't come up with a great plan on how to do that. I said, let's pray. And we started to pray weekly. And within a very short period, stuff started happening to these girls that I could not explain, but God opened the door. But it started when she looked around her and asked the Holy Spirit to give her eyes uh, some of you guys from Jesus in backgrounds, you remember what it was like to walk around wherever you'd go. It might be in a tea shop, coffee shop. It might be on the street. Um, people were looking at society quite different than they can today, where we just get numb to it. We get used to it. And there's, I believe the burdens of the Holy Spirit sometimes come as puzzles, and they're very important to us. Sarah is going right now off to Spain to investigate a puzzle. Is this the Holy Spirit for her? And uh, I think we'll get a good report for that when she gets back. I was saying earlier the importance of being a people who are available. Um, I really enjoyed with Mike talking at times about the Pharaohs, um, about being a, a guy that hangs out with the biker group, you know, the biker crowd, and they have biker clubs, and uh, I remember Mary and I were here in Tulsa. What happens is that as Christians, we can do work, family, 
maybe with family is television stuffed in there somewhere or something, or internet, church. And then the time's up. That's it. You have no time for anything else. And so we have to come up with programs to get you out there. But I just want to say that availability means sometimes being willing to go to places where the lost hang out. For Mary and I, it was joining a bike club, not a motorbike, but a bicycle bike. And being there, I can just, cool stories that happened. I'm not going to go into right now. But it happened because of week after week going up there, we started doing it as our date night. Then I discovered Mary was like fast racer and I was a slow pedaling, muddling guy. So we started doing a date at a different time. But the, uh, but the biking, you know, it was cool because I realized I needed to get out where the lost were. I needed to rub elbows with them. Uh, that point, you know, this is a point of things to do. And I'm going to call this point hanging out, making time to hang out with the lost. You can't reach them if you're not around them. Or you just see them, but you're invisible to them, and they're invisible to you. They're part of the people we stand in line with, and we walk across the street and pass them. But we've got to find a way, and I believe as the Spirit is moving in us in salt and light, it'll start to happen. We'll see people with different eyes. I can remember being in Egypt, going up on the roof and praying, being out on the street and sensing by the Holy Spirit the souls of men and women around me. Was that a calling? Yes. Is it going to be exactly like that for you? Maybe not. But there is something of the burden of God that comes um, from being available, willingness to hang out and pray for that. Secondly, something to do, which isn't, these aren't in order of priorities, heavens. Um, a people of prayer. Abiding in the place of prayer, it's in that place of seeking to meet him, even if you feel stuck at this point in your life. And I've been there. And I have still times of stuckness and areas of stuckness. Coming to him, Lord, water me. Being in places where I can be stirred and watered, where it's good for me. People that are good for me. Do you have people like that in your life? They're good for you. Good for your faith. Good for your vision. Good, and they're, they're a Barnabas, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and they encourage you in what you want to do, what God's saying to you. And they pray with you in the puzzles that you don't know about. Thirdly, in the things to do, I, I don't know if this is the things to do, but I find that the Holy Spirit often works by inviting, drawing, Jesus said in John, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. He often used the analogy of a shepherd. And shepherds lead their sheep. They don't stand behind them and beat them with a stick. There's something of the drawing of God. And I would just, and maybe that's something that's caught and not just taught. But around the lost, I want to make, I want to be and say things by the being, by the Lord helping me, that make them thirsty, that cause them to be drawn, that affects, it's like hanging out with that guy and say, you want to have pizza, you want to do this, I, listening to them, valuing them, respecting them. I will add to that, while salt makes people thirsty, what happens if you pour the whole bottle of salt on the platter of food? 
How edible is it? Well, if you take your glass of water and just fill it with salt, you're going to chug that one down, right? That salt has measurements. It isn't just blasting a person and leaving them, though that can happen sometimes. The Spirit can lead in that way, just as the Holy Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness. So sometimes the Spirit of God can drive. I don't want to leave you the impression it's only drawing, but I think, in my experience, he often is a quiet voice. Not always. He often is drawing me. He's often inviting. So here's a question for you. In your spiritual inner life right now, do you feel God's drawing? Do you feel his invitation? Do you sense his grace that covers your shame? Because if you don't, that's all you got left to give. That means that if you don't, if you're not receiving invitation, you won't be able to give it very well. It'll feel mechanical to you. That's why we keep coming back to the first point. Faith and expectation means I'm drawing from him and his character and presence coming out of me that hangs out with people. I see him changing me. So all these, even the to-dos have to do with who are you on the inside. I think what's wonderful about this world of being salt and light is it puts the spotlight not to shame me, but to say, where am I really at? And how is the Spirit drawing me? And what am I imparting to others? Uh, I like the scripture. Uh, another point would be a people of hope, but that kind of goes with that. First Peter 3.15. He talks about being ready to give an answer to those who ask about the hope that is within you. So there, are, there is a place when the Spirit might lead to really uh, hit a person up front between the eyes with repentance. But many, many times there is something of hope drawing. I had a student write me the other uh, day, <laughs> said another student, uh, Omani, had uh, texted them saying, what do you think of Islam? Their little quiet text evangelism, okay? She said, what do I say? I don't know. I said, well, probably text is not the way to communicate on that topic, but why don't we do the reverse? Why don't you share what you have? What it, not just what you believe, but what you really have. Do you experience not just forgiveness? Do you experience real cleansing? Do you experience adoption, the spirit of adoption? Do you experience the filling of the spirit, the intimacy, the guidance of God in varying measures? I wish it was like top-level book of Acts and Gospels level all the time, but why don't you share what you have and then say, what is it you're wanting to offer me that I don't have? Then the ball's in his court to reassess. I said, then you can ask him, so what do you have that's meaningful to you? I'm listening. Suddenly it went from the focus on religion, religion, to what you really have. Sorry if I sound a little running here, mechanical, but um, I've said that we should be a people of prayer, uh, a people who present 
I think it's important. I just touched on it, so I guess I was already being led into that one. But a people who present the big picture. The big picture means not just a story of forgiveness of sins. Not just, it is salvation, but salvation is filled out in so many more things. So the picture and the story of God um, may involve, uh, I talked to a student, uh, or a person who's worldly, and we may start talking about sin, and we don't even have the same definition of that one word, three letters long. So I want to talk about uh, imparting as the Spirit would lead, connecting where they live. So I want to ta- ask them questions, listen to them. And then in rubbing elbows, <clears throat> be able to, what was that old phrase of the guy, the radio preacher, you can't lose with the stuff I use? Is that Pastor Ike or somebody? So, that inter- well, that sounds funny. But there, there is something. He abides in us to be able to pass on to the person that is a bigger picture. You know, when I talk to students about man's broken, not everybody believes that. Man is essentially broken. Man is essentially selfish. How do I know? Look in the mirror so I can get honest about myself. And I know my tendencies, but I also know what he's doing. And I can share that story. Many of the students that I get are from Christian families, and they're always saying, I don't have an exciting story. I wasn't a drug addict or a, you know, alcoholic or whatever. Well, how is Jesus so real to you this last month? What's the Spirit doing in your life this month? Why don't you share that? That's a testimony. Being respectful, gentle, it says. Doing it in a spirit of gentleness. Listening, hard. Which for me is a real challenge, obviously. You know, I don't know how to wrap it up. I feel like I'm just kind of chatting with the troops here. But, I, you know, I just want to impart, if I said anything, there's all kinds of to-dos, but nothing is probably more important than if he is at work in you, he is going to dig up, and he'll call on you to do the same, to break up your fallow ground, that hard ground. And not to expose you, but in your heart to say, Lord, I'm stuck. Lord, I'm dry. Lord, I'm Father. I, I remember when. I think back on Jesus' end days, you know, hanging out with some of these boiler room guys. Good for me. Young guys and ladies and funny group, you know, with their tattoos and pierces. And I need these guys. They're good for me because they shake up my world. And while they're all excited about something, I went, eh, I know about that. No, I need to re- kind of get excited about that again. That's good for me. So I just appeal to you, be a people craving the prophetic of God in your life, craving encounter and meeting with Him in His Word and in His presence, however that works for you. And it is different for different people, at least in my experience. And I bless you and thank you for this opportunity to share with you. Kind of a weird message, so I don't sure how to wrap it up. But uh, go on. I know how to wrap it up. <laughs> you know, the elders have felt for some time that we, um, we're in a season when God is stirring our hearts for evangelism. Yeah. And uh, many of you know we had this class that went on for a couple months 
that was uh, designed to help people come up with strategies and ideas and encourage one another in evangelism. And Terry spoke to that class. And uh, when Jim Grinnell heard him, he came to the elder and said, we need to have Terry speak to us. Hmm. And so uh, Terry's doing it. But you know what? It's not just for Terry. It's not just for Terry. It's not, you know, Terry has the luxury in one sense of this is his job. And I understand that because I have the luxury to have a great job too. But that doesn't mean that this is just for Terry. This is for each one of us. This is for everyone that I'm looking at out here. And I think that's the heart of what Terry wants to communicate to us today. And so I want to pray for Terry because Terry's doing great work. But I want to pray for all of us this morning as we close. Heavenly Father, first of all, we thank you for our brother. We thank you, Father, for the wonderful years of experience you've given him overseas and now here in Tulsa. And, Lord, that uh, his heart is to share the love of Christ. His heart is to see people, and especially Muslims, come into the kingdom of God in a very real and a very powerful way. And we do pray, Father, for Terry. He's one of our missionaries, Lord, and he's uh, ministering to uh, missions that come right here to our own city, Lord God, and we're grateful for that. And, Lord, we want to thank you for him. We want to thank you for his giftings. We want to thank you for the way you use him, the way that he is open to your Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. speaking to him. And, Lord, we trust that you'll continue, Father, to equip him fully, Mm -hmm. continue, Heavenly Father, to enable him to reach out to the lost and, Father, to minister especially to the Muslims on the TU campus, but also all the other people that he encounters. And, Lord, we do pray especially for this ministry he has to equip others on the TU campus to reach out to specifically the Muslim community, Lord, and to have a real impact in that community. And, Lord, I want to pray for the rest of us this morning. I want to pray, Heavenly Father, that our hearts would be open to the things that Terry spoke. Father, we believe that they're not the things that just Terry spoke, that they're what you spoke through our brother to us. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that our hearts would always be open to you in such a way that we would feel uh, the drawing of the Lord to the people around us, that we would feel, Heavenly Father, a sense of responsibility, a sense, Heavenly Father, that we can be your tools, that we can truly be that salt and that light to demonstrate the kingdom of God in all of our own individual circles of influence. And so, Father, while it may not be our job that we do 40-plus hours a week, it, Father, is our job that we should do 24-7, 365, wherever we are and whatever we do in our workplaces, in our schools, Father, in our neighborhoods, in our various circles of influence, including our families, Lord. Father, make us effective tools. Father, by your equipping, we recognize that this is not anything we can do or stir up on our own. But, Father, we also recognize that by your Spirit, we are fully equipped to do what you ask us to do. And, Father, your word did speak very clearly to us to tell us that we are to be your witnesses. And so, Father, help us to be that. Help us to be that wherever each one of us are. We're thankful for this privilege. We're thankful, Heavenly Father, for the equipping of your Holy Spirit. We're thankful, Heavenly Father, for being partners in kingdom work. And we're grateful for these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.
want to remind you of the uh, church picnic this afternoon. Hope that uh, many or most of you can be there for that good time of fellowship with your brothers and sisters. We're dismissed.